This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 103. The regionals are hiring. Are you prepared? Welcome to the podcast where we give you an inside look at all aviation and aerospace careers. Unless you've been hiding under a rock for the past five years, you'd never notice the increased lack of qualified pilots in the pool of applicants. You know, all the airlines, both regional and major, have necessitated the reduction in their hiring minimums to keep up with the demand of pilots. For the past few years, I get one question from listeners almost on a monthly basis, and it's whether the regionals are really hiring and if there truly is a pilot shortage. My answer is yes, and yes, there is a lack of qualified pilots. The regional airlines have recognized this and have been offering many incentives, including higher pay, signing bonuses, and bonuses for finding new recruits, just to name a few. Yet we're also starting to hear more about deals with the majors, allowing a path directly to a larger jet. You know, with all this hiring and incentives to recruit pilots, you would think that you're a shoe-in to get the job. Well, my advice to you is don't get complacent during this hiring cycle. Even though you may have heard me say that if you can fog a mirror, you can get an interview with a regional airline, that doesn't mean you'll get the job. You'll still need to pass the interview, complete the training, and the background checks, just to name a few. So let's get started with this episode, and let me start with a question for you. The regionals are hiring, but are you prepared? Well, today joining me is Paul Greco, flight instructor, regional airline pilot, and soon-to-be captain. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Thanks, Carl. It's great to be here again. Yeah, it's actually, and, and he has an incredible perspective on this. Um, you know, what's interesting, Paul, is that this this is actually, this this whole question of airlines hiring, et cetera, was, was inspired by somebody writing into the podcast and wanting to know, you know, is it, is it really happening? Is, are these, are the regionals really hiring? And uh, it's actually, what's interesting, and normally I would say to you, you know, hey, we're going, we're talking to somebody who's based here in the U.S., but this person actually uh, is somebody who's based uh, out in Australia. And uh, his question to us was, uh, he wrote in, uh, you know, his Matthew wrote in and said, you know, hey, Carl, I'm an Australian pilot with 1,300 hours total time, but only 40 hours multi-engine, dual, that is, they call, uh, multi-engine instrument rating and instrument rating and instructor rating, excuse me. I'm an American citizen, however. And he continues, the Australian aviation industry has been very slow for almost half a decade. With U.S. regional companies now offering signing bonuses and retention programs, I'm asking you if you think regional jobs are easy to come by at the moment. Once all CASA licenses are converted over to FA, once, of course, FA ones, of course, and that means that he's going to convert his licenses to the FAA. Well, uh, his the the interesting part, and you know, I want to make sure that you heard that: is it easy to come by at the moment? You know, the, the airline interview is, I, I feel, yeah, it's fairly easy to get an interview. You'll, you'll be invited normally. Uh, but with that said, again, don't become complacent. And you should, you should definitely try to prepare 
for that airline interview. Don't take anything, any job for granted, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter if, if you know, they're knocking on your door and you're getting five offers from, from you know, five different airlines. You really need to be prepared not only for the interview, but also be prepared for the actual cycle of background checks and the cycle of training. So that's what we're going to do. You know, they, they are hiring and uh, is, are the jobs quote-unquote easy to come by, you know, I, I wouldn't use that term. I mean, uh, if they were easy, people would not be preparing like they are. They wouldn't be out there doing interview preparation like they've been doing and like I've been doing a lot of lately uh, with my coaching clients. So uh, is, is anything, quote-unquote, easy? Some people will say it's easy, but those may be the same people that say it's easy, but they turn around and study for 12 hours prior to the interview. So don't let anybody fool you into thinking any of this is easy. Just like flying an airplane. You know, people say, hey, it's easy. It's just like driving a car. You know, don't let anybody fool you into that either. So let's talk a little bit about this. You know, how to become prepared for the upcoming job interview. And uh, I have Paul here who's going to help us a little bit and interject, uh, especially when I go through this list of things that you really need to do uh, in preparing for your job interview. And Paul will have an interesting perspective because it wasn't that long ago that we actually got Paul ready for his interview and and he was able to get the job. And gosh, it's it's not long now till you hold captain, is it? No, not at all. I actually got got the call from the chief pilot last week. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be – it's any month now. Um, I'm about 150 hours away. There's – there are people upgrading behind me. Um, as a matter of fact, I just heard today that somebody upgraded after four months with the company. Wow! Yeah, so it's it's a really good time, you uh, know, for us right now. Just before we get some of the other airline pilots mad by saying people are upgrading behind you, it's not because they're going at a seniority order. You just no, no. didn't have enough hours, right? Correct, correct. Right. You need a thousand hours, one twenty-one or one thirty-five, as a captain to upgrade. To, to be a captain in the 121 airline. And so I had, um, I was 150 hours short, including my 135 time. I have uh, a couple of hundred hours, 135 captain time. But uh, with the two hours combined, it, I was just a little bit short. So I need another probably two months or so. And wow. I think I'll be. I'll be good. So there are times when they can't lower those minimums either due to their insurance requirements, et cetera. Well, this is or, regulatory in this case. Right, right. And that you'd have to have the 1,000 hours of uh, 121 time. Right. And, uh, and that's where – and that's is that due to your op specs or is that due to the FAA's regulation? No, that's FAA regulation. That, mm. was, um, uh, that was new after the uh, – uh, the Colgan crash up in Buffalo, where that mm -hmm. Q400 crashed, and uh, and all that new legislation came out with uh, FAR 117 and the rest rules and the uh, the 1500 hour rule. Right. Interesting. And then and so FAR 117 basically is running that. So uh, right. it, it's what's interesting is the fact that uh, we take for granted or we took for granted years ago that you get hired with five, 600 hours at a regional and build right. all your experience there. And that, that's not happening now. No. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, in my class, when I got hired with a turboprop regional, uh, they actually were looking at five, 600 hours uh, to get hired. I had a lot of hours. I had 1,600 hours. 
Uh, so things change. And I have a friend that got hired just a few years before, had 5,000 hours because things were just right. starting to pick up. So you never know. Uh, so that that's really interesting. I mean, that's really exciting uh, to hear that. So let's get let's move on to some of the items then, Paul, as to how we can get prepared uh, for for this airline interview. All right, let's uh, do it. So let's go to our, our first uh, note is if you to get ready for an airline interview and and your upcoming job, okay? These are the points. Number 1, research the company and be prepared to answer why you want to work for the airline that you're applying to for the specific airline, not in general. Uh, don't make the mistake, <laughs> and I've seen this done, I know, and and I'm laughing with you if you've done this, of sending a letter, because you've done a form letter, off to uh, XYZ Airline uh, that says, I want to work for XYZ Airline because of your, the I love the base that you have out of Cincinnati, and I think this is the greatest airline in the world, when you realize that XYZ Airline is ABC Airline, and they don't have a base in Cincinnati. <laughs> So, and, and it's been done. So make sure you look at all the details and look at your, your cover letters and, and make sure you understand the company you're talking to because there's a wide array of people that are hiring right now. And I know it muddies the field, but really try to research the company. You know, with the internet these days, you can find just about anything about the company, about the people that actually run the company. And sometimes the best thing to do is to start with their website. Go there and find out information about that company. Do your research and figure out why it is you want to work for that company. I I knew why I wanted to work for the first company I went to work for as a turboprop regional because I had friends that worked there. So I started naming those things that I liked about them. I liked the certain routes they had. I liked the fact that they had you know, the, the EMB-120, which I thought was a cool airplane. And uh, they also had the ERJs, the Embraers, the 145s. They had the XRs, which could go further. It was a really cool, and they went all over Mexico, and I wanted to go to Mexico. So I had all these things all, all queued up and, and ready to go to answer that question. You know, Paul, did you have a, your your answer to that question ready when you went to your interview? Oh, yeah, definitely. I had I actually, maybe to take it a step further, I had very specific requirements that I, I needed to have from a, a company. And so I actually didn't even apply to the vast majority of companies. I only applied to the companies that I thought could give me what I needed, which for me um, was the ability to not not commute via an airplane. I wanted to commute via my car, so I wanted to drive to work. So for me, that uh, that only left a couple of choices. Um, so out of those two choices, um, I interviewed at both places. I was offered a job at both places, and then I had a decision to make um, in terms of which which airline I wanted to go to. And they were two different airlines. One was a jet operator um, out of LaGuardia, and the other was a turboprop operator out of Newark. And um, and it was it was a hard decision for me because I the company A. Uh, that flew the jets paid significantly more money. Um, it was actually a pretty decent amount of money, and, and a, an amount of money that I could, I was, I would have been able to live off of. Um, and and I really liked the flying that they did. Uh, I liked the destinations and the routes, and and 
those types of things. But company B had better uh, career progression, or so I thought. <clears throat> so, and it was out of Newark, so I didn't have to drive through LaGuardia. So it was a e- much easier commute, uh, much easier car commute, I should say. Um, so, you know, I looked at these things, and the mo- the money wasn't as good, but I thought that. Um, the upgrade time would be much faster, um, which it turned out to be, and so I went with Company B. But I I only applied to the two to the two companies that I knew could give me what I wanted. I didn't even bother applying to other companies because I knew that I wasn't going to go there, and I didn't want to waste their time or my time. So I had done research well in advance to determine what what I needed from these companies, and it was very very helpful. So that's interesting right there. You focused on what airline you wanted to apply for, apply to, excuse me, and you went there and you applied and and you actually had all this research done because you were doing the research for yourself. Right. Not for the interview. Correct. And that's an important point. And and that's good. I like that you did that because in an environment like this where a lot of people are hiring, you can do that. You can be a little more selective. In an environment where there's hardly anybody hiring, you may have had to send your resume out to 20 airlines oh, yeah. and uh, may have had to, to commute quite far. I think that's really important as far as uh, quality of life, what you did there, and not to digress too much. But the fact that you are so close to where you work changes the whole scenario. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, it didn't matter. I didn't I didn't care what I flew uh or where I went to. I, I cared about not commuting because right. I had friends that were commuting and they 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 just swore to me that it was, you know, the best thing that I would do for my career and for my family life. And so uh being a career changer, I didn't wanna I knew that this that this was going to uh, be a really difficult transition for the whole family, so I wanted to in- make the impact as least uh, damaging as possible. So that's why, and for me, it was super, super important. Now, maybe if I was single and uh, and I didn't have a family, m- maybe I would commute and I wouldn't care. Right. Um, I would commute to a job that I, you know, because for whatever reasons, I felt that I wanted to work at at that company. But for me, you know, it was really important, and it turned out to work out. It, it worked out really well because the co- I really, really liked the company that I'm at right now because the the people are the people make the company, and the company it's a small company. Well, it's it was a small company. It's going to be <laughs> bigger, <laughs> but uh, it was a small company, and 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 they take care of their people. Um, and so I made, a, I made a good decision. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring this up because that's another good point that we want to make. Understand your commuting options to the airline that you're, you're, you're looking to be hired with. I mean, are you prepared to go to this airline and to commute to their destinations? Now, with, with what Paul just said, that's important for quality of life, but don't discount a commute in general, and I, I'll tell you why. If, if you have a simple commute, and you have a commute that has eh, one leg, it's on the same airline, that may change the scenario. And if it's only like an hour long, that might change the scenario. But if it's a long commute, multiple legs, I've done it before, and it is tough. I mean, I, I would come home every other week because I had to fly from, drive two hours to get to an airplane, airport and then fly three hours to get to my job. and Or I was going to fly for you know 18 hours straight. So that's that's a real important point. I'm glad you brought that up as far as commuting. So understanding your commuting options, uh, and especially if you're somebody 
who has a family, just like Paul does. And and if you don't, you know, being single, you you have a lot of different options. Uh, you may have to pay some money to wherever you go, but you you have a you are you have a lot more flexibility than someone that's married. Uh, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you envy some of those folks sometimes, but because <laughs> yeah. uh, they can go to any airline they want. Uh, I was I was not married at the time, but you know was in in serious relationship. Of course, I think that that may have ended a few relationships because of the <laughs> yeah, fact that sure. I was commuting so far. Oh yeah. So that's the next point. Understand the commuting out your commuting options. Understand the commuting options for the airline that you're applying to. It's important. It's important to know that. Uh, you know, I know people that have gotten into the airlines and the regionals and have left. Uh, you know, they got hired with the airlines and then took off because they just couldn't stand the commute. It was just too far for them. Right. Uh, whereas if the airline was in their backyard, uh, that would be perfect for them. So, But don't totally discount the commute. Look at the options. Uh, you know, I know we talk about how commuting can change your life and the lack of commuting can, can mean a lot of days off. But look at the options. It may actually work for you. So, so don't ever discount that. Um, in your case, it, it, it was best for what you did. Right. So the next thing you need to do to prepare for your upcoming job interview is know what the current stock price is and the financial results of the company. Where do you find that information? Real easy. Go to their website. Go to their company, about the company. Go to the financials and click on that. If you can't find it there, there's lots of websites out there. You know, if you do a search on any of the search engines, Google, whatever, and you put the stock ticker in or you just look up the airline, uh, and Yahoo Finance, whatever it may be, uh, you'll find a lot about that company. It's also really cool to find out from other sources what's going on at that company. Now, with with the financial results and, and with the stock price, you also tend to run down that rabbit hole of online forums and investment forums where uh, they could take you totally off track as to what reality might be. Kind of like what you see on the online forums with aviation careers. You know, you're, you're sitting there listening to people complain about how horrible their job is. And you're listening to someone say, oh, this, this job stinks. They don't pay enough. And, and you never know who it is behind that, that you know, pen or by that keyboard. Uh, it could be somebody who's, who's you know, making a lot of money and is saying that because they're disgruntled, because they want to do something else for a living, etc. So always you know, you know, take that information with a grain of salt. When you get the financial information from the company, you get the information directly, uh, you can usually take that at face value. But also it is good to listen to the really key, the key financial uh, advisors and the folks that follow the industry. There's a couple of them out there. Uh, I'm not going to name a few of them, but I really like a few that that are out there. I'm not sure if I should name name those guys, but there were some really really cool guys out there that know the industry. Um, also, with that, with the stock price and the financial result results, know the the recent announcements in the news. My suggestion, if you want to find out the recent announcements, any airline you are looking to work for. As a matter of fact, when you go work to work for the airline, sign up for all their press releases. Sign up for the press releases because you, you'll be finding out information before a lot of other people do. And you'll, be, you'll have all this, this cache of information when you go into the interview and, and you walk in and, and you say, hey, listen, you know, today is like this is the day that uh, I remember the airline that I was working for. All of a sudden they were free from the encumbrances of another financial uh, burden. They actually paid off this debt. And I knew that going into the interview, and so they were rather impressed with the fact that I knew that. Uh, it also just happened to 
uh, own the shares of a certain company when I went to work for that company. And uh, that's always a, a great idea to do that. And even on the regional side of things, you can find out uh, recent announcements and, and news. I think, Paul, you, you're you able to do that uh, even with the regional you work for. I'm assuming there's like a, talk, a stock symbol uh, that they have, and uh, there's an ability to sign up for their press releases. Yeah, so actually... It, in terms of the, the the stock prices and things like that, the companies, the two companies that I researched and interviewed at are are privately held companies, so um, that that didn't really apply as much. I did, however, um, in terms of recent announcements and news, do a bunch of research, and so you know, you go to the internet, you, you've got a wealth of information there, and you. You find the press releases because there are press releases when when announcements are made, even in a privately held company. But you know, in a privately held company, a lot of the the financials are held close to the close to the chest, and and you you really you don't you don't have that information. At least I couldn't really find it um, for for my company, the two companies that I looked at. But specific, especially my company, it's it. It's owned by one one individual, so right. um, you know, so that that didn't really that didn't really help. But I mean, if you Google my company now, you'll see all kinds of press releases because of all the the expansion that we're doing right. and uh, the addition of airplanes and and pilots and things like that. So there's tons of news out there, and you can still so when things are happening, you can you can find out about it, and that obviously aids in in uh, in your decision making process. And that's important, and it's interesting because you you don't always know uh, the financial right. background, et cetera. So great point. That's a good point, especially with some of the smaller uh, regional airlines. You'll find that in uh, local airlines too. But there are some regionals that are uh, publicly held. Oh yeah. So you know the, you have to do your due diligence. Oh sure, oh sure, and they uh, and that's really and like you said, do your due diligence. Really, really important. Along with doing your due diligence, know the upper management. And the person you might be interviewing with, such as the chief pilot or the head of personnel, that's our next point. You know, know the people that are there. Know the CEO. Know the names of all the people that are there. I'll tell you a little, a funny story. I brought this up. I was doing an interview for uh, prep for an airline. Uh, I was actually doing some of the interviews for a specific airline. And I had somebody there talking to me and discussing the airline and, and asking questions. And lo and behold, the CEO walks up next to me. And the person didn't even know who the CEO was. And it's like, well, who's that guy? Uh, wow. Does he work here? And I was like, well, yeah, he does. And, you know, if obviously the person didn't do much research uh, on this person, I was like, you know, that's, uh, that's the CEO of the company uh, that you want to interview with. And, you know, we're here talking. And you would think that if they came to this, they would know. And, and that's, it's funny, but it's not. I mean, you really, uh, it, it does show one thing, though, to me, when someone says that, they're really probably not that interested in, in working for that company. They're more exactly. just feeling it out. And, and I could be totally wrong, but that's the impression that you're going to get. And that's the impression I got was this person really wasn't that interested in the company. If they didn't even know the name or knew what the CEO looked like, I know that's, that's tough to do sometimes. But in a big company, you can easily find a picture of the CEO because they're out there. And uh, they're usually in the news quite a bit. So know the people. Know the chief pilot. Know the head of personnel. Know the people that might be interviewing you. 
Go out there and do that. The other thing that you should do is is have the information or quote unquote the gouge on the interview. Uh, this in this gouge in this information that you can find on the internet, uh, and you can get from interview prep, uh, you know, different companies, and uh, you know, we use gouge here when we're doing our interview prep. This this is really important because it will tell you things like that. You know, you need to name the COO, the CFO. Uh, you need to know the chief pilot's name, that type of thing. And this these these are the people. But always verify that information uh, because, the, again, things that are printed on the Internet can be old, and uh, you may not be able to figure out you know, who the current person is until you actually go out there and do your research, do your due diligence, as, as Paul said. So the, down, the good and the bad on the gouge, by the way, on the Internet, and my suggestion to everybody is to go out there, and if you look at the forums or you look at the, the gouge sites, et cetera, is to take those things that were positive, take those interviews that had a positive result and the person got hired and use that, use that information. Because once you start uh, focusing on the negative interviews and the people that didn't get hired and, uh, and all you know the, the poison that's out there, uh, you'll actually start acting that way, and that's not good for you. You need to, to remove that that quote unquote bad vibes and bad poison from your system, and just just look at those things. Look at the things that are are out there that are positive about that interview. So that's the next thing. Do you have the information or the gouge on the interview? Very important to have that. Also, have you practiced for that interview? Have you prepared yourself? Uh, have you you know I've Listen, I've been doing interviews all of my life. I had a consulting firm where that's all we did is we placed people. And, you know, I, that's, gosh, I was interviewing people all day long. And, and I do a couple interviews in, a, in, say, a week that, that would be, you know, spot on. Then you get some, there's lulls where people did a really poor job. And you, you ask the people, you know, hey, did you practice for this interview? And they'll say, no, I, I didn't. If you can't afford to go out and hire somebody to do uh, interview prep or, uh, you know, anything like that, go out and, and find somebody to, to just speak with and just have them ask you questions. Even if that's the only thing you can do is find a, a friend that's going to ask you questions. And, and, and you can even write down the questions. But the practicing is very important. You know, it's not just thinking about it in your head. It's verbalizing it, listening, and even if you want to, and, and I suggest this, is get dressed up like you're going to the interview, stand in front of somebody, and do the interview prep. If you're going to do an interview prep like we do, then, you know, yeah, I want to see you probably on Skype in the video. If not, you know, we'll, we can get together in person or, or do the interview prep, uh, you know, on, on the phone, that type of thing, just like they do at, at the airlines. So, Paul, did you actually uh, prepare yourself for your interview? Oh, yeah. I, um, I went with through an interview prep uh and i practiced on my own ahead of time so i prepped for the interview prep and then i prepped after the interview prep and i studied uh all about the companies and then i went through the gouges um just as you had mentioned and i went through the questions and and i i i came up with um stories uh that i had that had happened to me in my in my career, and I tried to formulate those into, um, you know, good fluid thoughts, and so so that I wasn't trying to, you know, kind of come up with it on the fly in the interview. So it was stuff that would was fresh in my mind. I had rehearsed it, um, 
uh, and, and it was very, very helpful. And interview prep is incredibly important because you want to get unbiased um, advice. You know, right. you, it's okay to go to an interview prep and, and not do well or not do as well as you think you're going to do because you, when you get critiqued in the interview prep, what, we have the ability to change, make your story more fluid and, 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 or say, hey, that's not, that might not be the best story to use. Maybe we should think of a different story. And, and when you do that, when you get to the to the interview itself, you're polished. And and the the reality is, these HR folks at all the airlines expect you to have done this. They expect mm-hmm. you to come in prepared. And I think if you don't come in prepared, it it doesn't put a good, put you in a good light. Yeah, you hear the stories of of the person asking, "What interview prep did you use?" And if you right. say none, they'll be like, "Well." Isn't this job important enough that you would exactly. prepare for the interview? Oh yeah, uh, I don't. I don't totally agree with that. Doing that, but uh, you know, that's just the way it is. But it's reality, like right? I mean, it is. It is, and and there's some there's some great. I mean, obviously, and as an aside, by the way, I know we do interview prep. We've been so bogged down and so busy. You know, I'd have to apologize. I know there's a lot of people uh, that's been calling us. We have, even though we don't have uh, the ability to do all interviews, we have a pool of different companies. Uh, that we refer people to. So if you're going for an interview with ABC Airline and we don't do that interview prep for the ABC Airline, I have a pool of people that I can send you to. And there's some really good people out there, lots of different companies, uh, that we've had some of them on the show that do some really great great work as far as uh, getting ready for an interview. Uh, I would highly recommend doing that interview prep. It's expensive, but it's worth it in the long run. You know, if uh, if you look at the, the amount of money you're going to start making, uh, at that airline, it's it really is worth it in the long run. So we could do a whole episode, by the way, on just practicing for your interview and your interview prep and uh, and doing generalization. We've had episodes. Uh, we had ExpressJet Airlines on here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd love to hear your feedback as far as whether we should have uh, more airlines on. I think uh, I've gotten some feedback recently where people said they loved uh, that that right there because it's from the horse's mouth. It's from the people that are doing the interview. So I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to do some of those. Uh, but I'd love to hear which air, which airlines you want us to talk to because uh, we have relationships with a lot of HR reps at different airlines. So let us know and we'll do that. We have a couple coming up. We're working on a few. Uh, the only problem right now with them is they're so bogged down doing interviews right now. They're super busy. Uh, they're, oh my gosh, they they sure are. And uh, without me just walking into their office, uh, it's, it's very difficult to get an interview, uh, especially with setting a time because all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, we got five more applicants. We've got to interview them today because uh, we can't fill the seats in the airplanes, that type of thing. So moving on to the next uh, item here to make sure you're ready for your interviews and, and ready for the airline, to work for the airline, is what technical information do you need to know? That's part of that gouge. It's part of, of listening to that tribal knowledge, listening to people. What technical information do you need to know for that interview? A lot of times they'll ask you about the airplane you last flew, the operation you last flew for, and you know, understand what technical information about that airplane you might need to know. What's the most complex aircraft you've flown? And they may even ask you uh, things like stall speeds of the aircraft, uh, maximum landing uh, gear extension speed, those really specific things. You need to know if they're going to ask that question. And if you need to know that information, have it memorized. Be ready for that. So, so be ready for the technical side of that. Also, another thing you really need to understand is that when you go to an airline, you're going to get a 10-year background check. 
be ready for that. Um, it's not just like, here's my name, my social security number. Uh, you, you definitely need to show uh, that you have a consistent uh, stream of work or of of your whereabouts. I know there's some people that, um, you know, I've had a few folks recently, interestingly enough, that uh, with the military who are retired and now looking at the airlines. And uh, three of them that I've talked to all are in the same boat where they quote unquote aren't working, but they're retired. So you you will, and I had to do this too, by the way, you have to find somebody that can vouch for where you were during those certain years. Uh, if you were retired, maybe you owned a business and the business did well and you were able to retire early. Uh, maybe uh, you're retired military, but make sure, and a lot of times it's a community leader or it's somebody that you may be volunteering with if you're doing volunteer work. Make sure you have that. You have that all your ducks in a row. Make sure you look at the past 10 years and see if there's any gaps. If there's gaps in your work history, make sure you fill those in with information. So that that's my suggestion there. So make sure you have those past 10 years. Uh, Paul, you went from a different industry into the airlines. Did you have any problems getting your 10-year background check together? No, I didn't have any any issues there, and I don't know if that was because I mean, well, I have a clean record, so there's nothing on there. So, I, I mean, I don't know if, if that was the reason or if it was because I've had to do ba- background checks in the past for, um, uh, you know, the previous job. So, I my my guess is that it probably it was probably because I've had background checks in the past that it was kind of a seamless uh, transition so, so I didn't have a problem so what's interesting is I I had a lot of issues with my background check and mm. and the reason being is that uh, I a lot of the places I worked for went bankrupt oh. uh, the flight schools I worked for were no longer around I was furloughed. You know, there's multiple airlines that I went to work for, so so they I, couldn't even get in touch with the people that ran the companies. Right, for right. Yeah, so, uh, so you actually, I, I started having those, and you know, a lot of people have those issues, and um, and because of the fact that I was, you know, I worked for one airline, uh, I worked at one job, then I went to an airline that got furloughed, then had to find another job, and I. I worked for another airline, then another airline, then another airline. So here are all these airlines I had to keep straight. But even between the airlines, there was a couple months in between. So it was, it, I what I found I needed to do, and this is my suggestion if you're you're going through this issue and you're having a ten year background check issue like I did, I I resolved it by doing this. I took a, a, a word a document and I wrote down every single date and every single person that I could contact the actual individual and their phone number and their email address and their physical address so that I could get in touch with those people if I needed to do a background. My my following background check, my latest background check was was actually a lot easier because I had spent uh, the, you know, the last 10 years working for the same airline. So that, that made life a little bit easier. But, uh, but even with that, uh, you have to explain certain things. You know, you may... Uh, you may not know uh, that you put down something wrong on a background check, so double and triple check it because I actually did that. I made a little mistake, and um, and the person said, "Hey, listen, you know your background check's not coming back right." I said, "Oh man, I I messed up that date. You know this is what it is." And I go, oh, "Okay," so they went back and did that. Uh, so make sure you double and triple check your your background. Also, another thing to look at in your background is uh, if you have a DUI, it's not going to totally 
take you out of the, the ball game. But uh, if you have a driving under the influence or any drug arrest, etc., uh, understand there's going to be a lot of implications, especially flying to Canada. Uh, there are certain airlines that if you look on their applications on their websites, and uh, it, it will even, uh, I can't remember the one airline, it was just, it'll actually state there, you know, if you have a DUI, you know, don't bother applying is basically what they're saying. Uh, because we fly to Canada, and they're very strict about that in Canada. Uh, so if you are looking at an airline that does a lot of flying throughout Canada, uh, you're going to have a you're going to have an issue there. There are ways around that, by the way. This isn't the episode to get into it, but there's there's ways around the DOI and how to to resolve that issue, especially if you know you're going to start flying to Canada. And uh, you know we can go over that at some point. A lot of times it involves getting your temporary residency, et cetera. So that can be done. Um, also. The, uh, the other thing, and that went f- with the technical information from before, always remember the technical details about the last plane you flew uh, to be ready for that interview and be ready for that, that airline. Uh, so that, that's really, really important is to have that technical knowledge there and know your IFR procedures inside and out. If you're an instrument instructor, you know, that's really, really going to help. Uh, Paul, did you have anything to add? I'm sorry, I passed over the DUI. Did you have anything to add to that one? Yeah, I just wanted to add something to that because I think it's I think it's pretty important if you whatever you have on your record, whether it's a DUI or uh, an arrest of some kind or uh, even speeding tickets because they they do driving abstracts. It's very very important to be honest and upfront and put it on your application and um, and and disclose that information because um, having a DUI. Or uh, a drug arrest. I mean, it's you might think it would be a problem, but in in a lot of cases, it's not a problem. Especially if it were, if you're 30 years old and you got a DUI when you were, you know, 18 years old and you were in college and you said, "Look, I made a, you know, you can explain it. I made a mistake. I was young. I was in college. Um, I, I didn't understand the implications it would have later in life." I'm mean, that, and you show that you've been. Uh, a, you know, you've had a clean record since then. They're, they're willing to to look past it, but if you don't put it on there, you don't disclose it. You're trying to hide it. It's going to come up in your background check, and you're not. They'll fire you, just right. flat out. So, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, I have a a good story that I always tell. Where right. a, a story, I should say, where the person was hired and asked me, "Hey, listen, you know, I had a drug arrest. Do you think that's an issue?" I said, "Well, did you disclose it?" They said, "No." Do you think they'll find out? Of course, they're going to find out eventually. Oh, yeah. And uh, and it happens. And the person was asked to leave, and it took them a, a good five days to figure out. I think it was three to five days. I forget, but uh, to actually find out they had a had this arrest. Um, if they had the arrest. Um, and they disclosed it. They may not still continue your training, but they may, you know, postpone your training. Uh, they may say, "Okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna rescind this this training in, uh, offer, but we're gonna keep your conditional hire until we find out the outcome of this arrest." Because you right. can get arrested; it's not a conviction. Right. You know, people get arrested all the time. It's not until it's a conviction. Now you have something else to, to work with, and then you can even uh, also explain a conviction. So there's a lot of things there. So very important point that you made, Paul, is make sure you disclose all information, 
all information. Even information, have you ever been denied a medical and you say no and you were? They will find that out. That's another one, by the way. It's real simple to do. Uh, so don't think you can hide anything uh, from an airline background check. Uh, it does, with that said, there are times when it does happen where you can fool the airline, uh, but, but it will come back and bite you later on, probably years later. So be very, very careful with that. Um, also, the next point as far as being ready, uh, you know, being ready for, for an airline is do you understand the airline system? Understand as much as you can about the airline system. Ask friends, go on the internet. Take classes like you know, and listen to, to shows like this, and and do webinars like we'll have webinars coming up as far as what it's like to fly in a a one twenty one operation uh, in, in an airline. Uh, understand you know what a, why you need a pushback clearance. Understand why you can't close the door, and when you should close the door, and how to prepare for your taxi and your long taxi, especially with all the new rules. Is understand that airline system. Paul, did you have any challenges? Uh, when you first came to the airline? I wouldn't say I had challenges. I mean, the challenge is you have to learn this stuff. And it's, and it's, there's a lot of stuff there to learn. But, I, you know, that, so that's the challenge, but you just don't know it. So, and, uh, I'm curious, do, do they actually teach you at the airline that you worked for? Do they tell you, hey, this is what happens? You get this push clearance, and oh, by the way, there's an edict time. And this is your wheels up time and, and make sure you don't close the door until we know that you actually are going to be able to take off that kind of stuff. No, they didn't. They didn't go over that in ground school per se. That was something that we, that, that was learned on the line. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't take long to figure that stuff out. Right. Um, but, uh, but you definitely have to do a little bit of work, but it's on, it was, that was pretty much on my own and um, on the line. And, and that's what the captain's, the captains went, went over that stuff with you. Interesting. Yeah, luckily, the airline I was hired by, they actually had a, a quick course and you know, what's going to happen and, and and what you're going to need to do, that type of thing. Well, that's, it would be a good idea to do that, I think. Yeah, it was just like a, an hour long. Yeah, you know? it doesn't need to be much. Yeah, yeah and it's like captain school. They, some people have courses where... You know, how to be a good captain, some don't. You know, it depends. And I think it's a good idea to have that. I know yeah. it takes up a lot of time, but it's really uh, a great idea to, to help, you know, foster that <laughs> that learning environment, especially oh, amongst yeah. FOs, you know, first officers, Absolutely. that type of thing. Sure. Uh, so understand the airline system as much as possible. You can find out things from us. If you have questions, if I just said a word that you don't understand, I said edict. If you don't understand what that means, write me at feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast and ask me to explain it, and I will. And those kind of things. You just you know, be, don't be, be bashful. Ask an airline pilot, you know, why is this happening and, uh, and what are we doing here? Also, the next thing uh, as far as being prepared, are you ready uh, for this? Are you prepared for the airline? Uh, be yourself, by the way, when you're in an interview. Uh, and and also be able to explain how you'll be a positive asset to the airline. Explain that not only to the person that's interviewing you, but explain it to yourself. More importantly, you know what is it that you bring to the airline, uh, and explain that to yourself. Then when you go to the air, the interview, it'll be very very easy to do that. You know, so so definitely make sure that you are you when you go to the airline interview. Don't try to be somebody else because uh, a lot of times when you're trying to fake a smile or a fake being happy to be there it, it kind of comes out it kind of gets cheesy i mean i know some people smile kind of differently when they're they're nervous etc uh, but you know really try to be yourself because that's the best way to be fair to yourself and to the airline you know is to do that the other thing too is and my last point as far as you know 
are you, <laughs> are you prepared for the hiring that's going on is this. Remember that the airlines hire future captains, not first officers. They're looking at you as a captain, a future captain. You're going to start as a first officer, but you're going to progress as a captain. If, if your goal is to be a first officer, then it might come out in the interview. Try to be a captain as much as possible. Don't, don't look at yourself as being hired as a first officer. Make sure you look at yourself as being hired as a future captain because that really, really comes out in the interview. Don't you think so, Paul? Oh, absolutely. And they, my airline actually said that in the first day of uh, ground school, they said, "We're you guys are captains. You're soon to be captains. And especially at my airline, um, where historically the, the upgrade time was less than three years. Um, it, it was never longer than three years in the history of the entire 26 years of the company. So... Um, they said, and they, they, they meant it, we are hiring captains. We, we, th- we think about that when we're interviewing, and we think about that all throughout the training. And so it, the, it's really important, and they, they stress this at, at my airline from day one. <clears throat> Excuse me. When, when you get on the line, you get off IOE, and you're working as an FO, Learn your job as a first officer. Become a really good first officer. But the, the second that you feel comfortable in that airplane and the second you feel comfortable in your role as an FO, start learning the captain's responsibilities. Start really paying close attention to what the, the other guy next to you is doing. Why is he making the decisions he's doing? Quit, you know, ask him questions. Ask him, they, they said, ask him to do some of his stuff. Like at our airline, uh, the captain does weight and balance um before you know before we leave so they they said ask him to do the weight and balance they'll let us do the weight and balance uh you know and so it became it, it becomes really important to start learning the intricacies of their job because pretty soon and it is really soon I'm learning that you know right now um you're going to be in the left seat and you're going to be the guy making the decisions. And so you don't want it. You don't want to let yourself get to the point where you just kind of, you you did your job. You're doing, you're doing a a fine job as an FO, but you weren't taking the initiative to be the leader, be the captain. And so I think that that was some of the best advice I had gotten when I first started. And, uh, you know, so six months into my, my career, I was, I was, really paying close attention to what was going on over there. That's a really great point. I think some people just, uh, they get you know complacent in their duties and exactly. they don't think about becoming a captain. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I can hold captain. I better start paying attention to what the captain's been doing and the decisions the captain has to make. Because I'll tell you, when you move over to the left seat, you can't turn to the left and ask the captain if she... Right. If she knows what's going on or what's the next decision right. to be made, because what you're going to see is a window, yes, and you're, that window will have the reflection of you in it. So you're the person now that needs to make that that decision, and you need to be ready for that decision making process. So to do that, like you're saying, prepare yourself, but also uh, to do that, make sure you're looking at the captain and. And and be involved in that decision. You don't have to talk. You can listen. But in your mind, say, I would have done it this way. 
or, or this is how I would have done it, that type of thing. Pretend like you're the captain. You know, you aren't, but pretend like you are in your mind. Uh, and, and then I think it makes the transition that much easier. Like you said with the weight and balance, uh, you start doing things like uh, uh, asking yourself, hey, there's, there's five pets in the cabin. Are we allowed to have five pets in the cabin? Right. Well, how exactly. do you find that information? Exactly. It's not just, it's not knowing everything. It's knowing where to find the information too, you find out. Uh, there is so much, there's a big difference, and there is a reason the captains get paid so much more money. There is a big leap when you go from the right seat to the left seat in that you are now making all these decisions, and now you are responsible for the entire crew and also the passengers. Uh, not that you weren't as an FO, but now you're making the decisions for everybody there with everybody else's input, of course. And uh, to be a, and we can do a whole episode on how to be a good captain. I definitely would love to do that someday. Yeah, that'd be a great episode. And I, I really, you know, I have, I have a lot of opinions there, and I've uh, seen a lot of really good captains out there, and I admire a lot of the people I fly with. And I like to take those things that I like in those captains, and and hopefully feed it into into what I'm going to do in the future as a captain. You know, you talked about um, your upgrade times. When I was hired with the regionals, our upgrades were eight months Wow! Uh, to the left seat. It was phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, I was furloughed after seven. <laughs> uh, so it didn't, it didn't quite work out that way. So you never know what kind of an event might happen. No, uh, but that's an, that reminds me, you're reminding me of another piece of advice that was given to me by a, an old crotchety pilot that we both know. Uh, and, uh, and, and that, that advice was take, and it seems like common sense, but it's just nice to hear, um, he said, you're going to fly with a lot of captains and someday you're going to be the captain and, and you need to learn how to be the captain and to be a good captain. So they said, somebody told me to always look at all the captains you fly with, take the good Everybody's got good characteristics, and everybody's got some bad ones. And take take all the good one, all the good characteristics from all the people you fly with. Put them in a you know, put them in a little, write them down, put them in a list, keep them in the back of your head. Take all the bad characteristics. Don't forget them, but just you don't want to emulate those characteristics. But just emulate the good characteristics, and you'll be you'll be a heck of a good captain. And so somebody told me that, and it's that's always stuck with me because every time I fly with somebody, where I say, wow, that. That was a. How did he come up with that decision? That was a. That was a great decision, um, or you know somebody's demeanor, you know, the captain's demeanor, how he handled a, uh, you know maybe a rough situation with a passenger or uh, just a you know an emergency or something, you know or how how did maybe the captain didn't handle it well. Um, so I I, rem- I remembered that it always stuck with me and I, uh, and I, I find that I found that to be also very very good advice that was given to me. That's excellent advice, and I think that's the, the one thing that we should end with in our list of uh, are you prepared uh, to be hired by a regional? You know, the regionals are hiring, yeah, and this is what you can do to prepare yourself. And uh, we'll have that list, by the way, of all the things we went over at aviationcareerspodcast.com. It's episode 103, and we'll have them out there. But boy, Paul, you know, this is some really good information. Uh, and if the person is listening right now, if you're listening right now and you have a question, just go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If there's anything I've said that, or, or Paul said that you have a question on or you want us to expand on, we will do that for you. You know, let us be your sounding board. We have, uh, you know, it, it, we're, have our finger on the pulse of the industry, yes, but uh, we also love to to listen to the people's stories because we always learn something here, and that's what's what wonderful uh, about this and helping people 
uh, with moving forward in their career. Also, uh, by the way, if uh, I would suggest, if you can, sign up for the newsletter uh, because there's a lot of updates coming up on the website, especially if you're one of our, our coaching uh, clients uh, and, you've, and we've been in the coaching. I have uh, things coming down the pike there. Uh, again, you know, the first coaching session is $75 if you want to do a coaching session, and you can sign up on the website there. We need to also keep these lines of communication open with the, the, the uh, scholarships. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate from you and uh, the, the listeners, thanks for sending me some of those scholarships to place them in the guide, uh, because I've, I've heard recently from people saying, hey, listen, we've only had a few people apply, but it's such a great scholarship and no one's applied. Why is that? Well, we'll put it in the, in the scholarships guide. The online guide is, is to those premium members. They can actually look at the guide. They can also view all the different online courses. Or if you just want to purchase the book, it's an ebook format and PDF format. You can do that. It's also on Amazon. And by the way, we just uploaded the 2016 PDF file. The 2016 um, Amazon is going on, on hopefully right around when this is published, maybe a week later, that'll be on Amazon.com. And we've listened to you. Uh, we always have surveys that we love you to take to, to help us grow this podcast into something that you you can use as a tool. So uh, definitely go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash vote. And uh, we always have some kind of survey going on right now. Right now, the survey has to do with the scholarships guide and what type of formats you, uh, you think we should uh, actually put that into. So again, I apologize for the, uh, the delay. I know one of the complaints we've been getting is that the schedule is so tight. We, uh, if you are going to book a session, uh, it's probably about a month out that you'll be able to get into my schedule, maybe three weeks out uh, before you can get in. So, uh, And we have other folks too, by the way, that help us out with doing certain interviews. Uh, so if you're doing an interview prep, it may not be me doing that. Uh, maybe some other folks that we have that are helping there, so we'll help schedule that. Uh, but anyway, uh, for everybody else, I tell you, I really appreciate your listening. I know that some of you listen to this, and you, you know, you're not interested in aviation career, but you love listening about the jobs and about the the regional airlines and how they're hiring and and uh, and you know the things we talk about here. Actually, a lot of times they're. There's the, just the reaction to certain symptoms in the industry, like talking about the fact that all the upgrade times are so fast and that kind of thing, uh, because there's this lack of qualified pilots out there. So you, you get that kind of feedback from our listeners, and then you, you actually can formulate your own ideas, and I know that you enjoy that. So thanks for, to you also for listening. Uh, but anyway, another thing we started, by the way, and we do this with another show that I have about general aviation, is is our pick of the week, because I really think it's important to remind people that there's great tools out there uh, that you can use. And it can be a book, a website, it can be a seminar or a webinar about careers in general or about aerospace and aviation careers. And for me, my pick of the week this week is going to be the Turbine Pilots Flight Manual. I know we've mentioned it before, uh, but we just talked about understanding the aviation environment, the airline environment, and the systems. It's a great book, and I suggest everybody before they go to training to read it because then you'll understand a lot about the actual how the airline operates. For me personally, uh, the system as far as uh, pressurization, it helped tremendously with that because I never flew a pressurized aircraft before I got to the airlines and uh, it really really helped me understand that and did they do a great job explaining everything there so Paul what is what is your pick of the week 
Well, before I go to my pick of the week, I, I want a second year pick of the week because <laughs> that was going to be my pick of the week because ah. I, it, it was an that was a really, really helpful book to read before going to training. I think you were the one that suggested that I do that. Um, and I found that to be incredibly helpful because that book generalizes a lot of those systems. And then you get into training and you go into the systems of your airplane and you already know how, roughly how a bleed system works, uh, to take your example. And so then you, it, it just makes that transition into learning your aircraft systems so much easier. So, and, and also with a, with just with a turbine engine, this was the first turbine powered airplane I flew. So I didn't have that experience. So, um, that book was very, very helpful. So I just wanted to second that. But my, my pick is, um, a book called the advanced pilots flight manual. It's a, a William Kirshner book who, uh, he writes a, a bunch of books that are really, really good. And I think it, it goes into, uh, I like the aerodynamic section. It, it's, um, it's more than the, than the, the basic stuff you get. If you read the, the, uh, Jefferson books or the, the ASA, uh, you know, private and commercial pilot books. But, uh, I found that the information to be, to be to be like a, a step ahead, and so I thought that was a great book, and I really enjoyed reading it. And it's I don't think it's uh, you know anything that's re- would be required. I, I would I would say your book is is requ- required reading to go into uh, airline training. This isn't necessarily required reading. It's just it's just nice information, and uh, and I enjoyed reading it. Cool. Well, we'll we'll definitely have links to both of those books there, and we'd appreciate you going and linking on those because uh, it helps us produce this podcast and bring it to you, uh, the commissions that we get from that. So, uh, Also, the other thing, too, is uh, the scholarship of the week. I, I don't think I mentioned that one. Uh, this week, it's the Alex Sheaves Memorial Scholarship Award. It's actually given out by the Aero Club of Pennsylvania, the Delaware Valley chapter, and it's $5,000, and it's awarded to an individual uh, that demonstrates a commitment to aircraft maintenance training and they they demonstrate that by being enrolled or accepted to an aircraft maintenance training facility uh, the at the awards dinner they actually award it's a value up to five thousand dollars for a scholarship for somebody going into maintenance uh, so that's really a really neat uh, scholarship award and we'll have links to that there at uh, aviation uh, careers podcast.com slash 103 or the aerospace scholarships guide just go to aerospace and you'll see it there um gosh you know this has been wonderful bringing this to you i love all the information all the questions you you write into us uh i hope you've found some really good valuable information about you know being prepared for the airlines and the airline interviews uh paul thanks for being here again and the input that you bring and the information you bring on uh, flying for a regional airline has been great Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate coming on, and it's it's really nice to be able to uh, to to voice my experiences in, at the regional level and and uh, my in in my career change as well. So I hope hopefully people hear my story and know that they can do it too. So uh, it's possible. It just requires a little bit of hard work, but you can if you're looking to get into this career, no matter what you're doing, you can definitely do it. I think that's true. I think, and, and no matter what you do, whatever it is you want to do, if you if you put your mind to it, you can do it. If you, if this is a career that you're thinking about and you decide this isn't for me and there's something else I want to do, just just do whatever it is. Do it 110. Oh, yeah. Make sure you go out there and you enjoy what you're doing. Uh, if you get into a career that you don't like, 
uh, admit to yourself that you did something that you you didn't really enjoy and you want to move. You can always change. Things always change in life. And don't be afraid. Look at Paul. I mean, he's jumped from one career to the next. I've done the same thing. I started much later in life in my career, and I'm loving it. I really like my job. I mean, I love the challenges. As a matter of fact, I'm. let's see, this weekend I'm going to training and to start doing some flying back down in Latin America and uh, South America and, and Central America. I'm very excited about that. And and it's just a new new thing on the horizon for me. You know, I, I switch bases awesome. a lot, and I get to see other really, really, really cool places. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, anyway, so that's, that's actually, uh, gosh, Paul, that's what we have for this evening. I really appreciate Great. your being here. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and for you out there that's listening, you know, make sure you do something today to move forward in your career and to move you towards your career goal. Maybe it's just one of these things on this list. Take one of them and and do and and study it and start moving towards your career goal because that's really important to do something and move forward. Well, folks, that's the end of the episode. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.